Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is bonus episode number four. So on this episode, it's a continuation of our self-care talks series uh, throughout Suicide Prevention Month. Um, And it's really kind of cool how this one got set up. So uh, this episode, we are talking with Tyson also known as Crooked Teeth. Um, I'll have links to his Instagram and all that on the description of the podcast. But literally, that's kind of how this all formed. Uh, This conversation, you know, got brought up on Instagram. So um, basically what happened was um, he had heard about me from an interview or a podcast that I had done with his friends in Telltale, and kind of from there, he just started following me, and I'd seen his name popping up here and there, liking posts and sharing stuff and whatnot, and um, so yeah, I, I just hit him up, and I was like, hey man, would you be interested in potentially doing something, um, and I gave him the choice of doing kind of the traditional, if you will, who is Crooked Teeth, um, type of interview and and conversation or to have this mental health discussion and he he just jumped at the opportunity to to talk about mental health and I thought that was really really cool that you know he was so willing and open to the idea of discussing this Um, we had a great conversation we're definitely going to touch base with him again later and do that kind of who is crooked teeth type of of conversation, but, um, in this episode, he gets very real about, you know, going to therapy and, um, the, the state of mental health and just all the, the things when it comes to mental health, music industry, self-care, things like that. Um, so again, to Tyson, I definitely want to say thank you, uh, for having this conversation with me. I do want to preface this, like I think I have with most of them, we are not licensed professionals. These conversations are just our real life experiences and the things that we've gone through and the things that we've learned or that we've kind of grown through, if you will. Um, And yeah, so again, not mental health professionals, but, you know, we, we want to share our stories is, is basically what it boils down to. So with that, first I'm going to say go check out Tyson's page, Crooked Teeth. Um, again, everything will be in the description of the podcast for the link to the socials. He's super active on Instagram. So jump over there, give him a follow, like his stuff. That'd be huge. Um, obviously keep listening for the conversation, um, which we're going to jump into right now. It's my conversation with Tyson of Crooked Teeth. Um, let's kick it off with kind of the, the standard question that you get in every interview, but, um, just your name, kind of what you do in the band and a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, so my name is Tyson. Uh, Crooked Teeth is basically, um, I'm the songwriter, kind of do-it-all 
uh, person there. Um, it is just a moniker for the songs I basically write in my bedroom. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I started playing music when I was 12 years old, 12, 13, um, you know, pretty standard for someone who's now 28. Like I got into music through Green Day and learned how to play guitar that way. And, you know, it's taken me through all different kinds of uh, journeys through through music and in my life in general and has connected me to um, you know so, so many people and have shared so many experiences and I'm really grateful for it yeah. and um, yeah so I'm from I live in Santa Cruz California and um, I am a West Coast kid through and through I've lived in uh, you know, I'm from this little town called Lodi and uh, that you wouldn't believe is actually in California. It looks like <laughs> somewhere in Missouri or Alabama. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, so I, I was born and raised there and I've lived in Sacramento and uh, Santa Cruz and Los Angeles. And I am in back in Santa Cruz where I happily reside <laughs> and make music and and do the life thing. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. So I'm a Midwest kid, so uh, born and nice. raised in Indiana. So, you know, the nice. the pop punk and emo uh, runs deep over here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the main thing that you and I kind of discussed on Instagram for, for people that are listening now. Um, basically, throughout September, with it being Suicide Prevention Month, I've been doing these right. um I'm calling it the self-care talks series. Uh, and that, that's kind of what I hit you up about to see, you know, if you'd be interested in coming on in general, but you know, then we, we discussed kind of the mental health side of things. So, um, in as much detail as you want to give, kind of tell your, your history with mental health and, and depression, anxiety, things like that. Yeah. So, um, the first time I think I ever had a serious, like, a moment within myself about mental health was right after high school. I think I had just turned 18 and I was just going through some really crazy, uh, just an overwhelming amount of emotions, uh, mostly centered around in that moment, depression and just being so unbelievably sad, not really understanding why, um, but definitely on the verge of like suicidal ideations. And, uh, so I, I went to my primary care doctor and it was so strange because I feel like at this time and, you know, even up until recently and even still now, like there's such a stigma around mental health and around the ways you seek help and around the triggers that lead you to seeking help and the traumas and whatnot. Um, and still so much I'm, I'm learning and unpacking about that, even to this day. Right. Uh, but I, at that time, it was out of disparity. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I was raised in a very conservative uh, religious home, went to, like, Christian school, um, you know, but my parents were, like, you know, my mom was on disability basically my whole life. She had two major operations, and my dad was the breadwinner and worked three jobs all the time, wasn't really present in an emotional way, um, really didn't have that connection of, like, 
people in my life that were um, put mental health on the forefront. Right. Do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. like with the suppression that comes with religion um, and being able to turn these like real issues into just like prayer requests mm-hmm. and not really doing anything to better the situation, but rather just suppress it and try to reason in a way that was able to be shaped around, you know, uh, a religious agenda. And so um, I went in to get help and I remember coming back because I got prescribed, uh, you know, medication at that time. And I, I remember coming back and telling my mom in the kitchen and was so scared. And, you know, she just was, at, you know, and bless my mom's heart. We have a much, much more constructive and constructive conversations around mental health now right. um, than we did then. And we've really both grown in that department and kind of as a family. Um, but at that time, there was still this this really present dysphoria caused by Christianity to where, like, when I brought it to her attention, it was like, well, do you need, like, maybe it's because you're not going to church anymore. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's because yeah. you're smoking pot. Like, maybe it's because, you know, whatever. And I'm like an, a, you know, a fresh 18-year-old kid. So I'm just like, yeah, those are all weird things. But, like, isn't everyone just unpacking that right now? Like, yeah. are we all just kind of dealing like anyone in my age group, like we're all just kind of doing that thing. And so, uh, you know, and, and there was a lot of blame and shame of like, oh, well, you're depressed and you're sick because you don't have Jesus and because yeah. you don't have this. And then it just really like, instead of, instead of going to therapy, instead of really doing something intensive and, you know, constructive, I just went down a path of drugs. I mean, for me, it was, you know, like, uh, it was, you know, in association with my friends, it was like we were doing, you know, pills and smoking a lot of weed, but I'm not going to correlate that to the rest of what we right. were doing. You know, <laughs> we were just like basically trying to find ways to fortunately never like down down the hole of like meth or heroin, but but pretty close. It was mostly like just abusing pharmaceuticals and over the counter uh, you know, shit. And yeah. we were trying to find, we were just really, really involved in escapism because all of us, like in my friend group, we were all dealing with these really deep, uh, systeming like, uh, traumas. I mean, from all of our childhoods, you know? And so, uh, we treated that really irresponsibly. I, I would say between the ages of like, and Specifically speaking for myself, I don't. I'm not here to throw my friend group under the bus. Right, right. They are, they are wonderful. I'm gonna leave here and go, you know, have a nice little social distance uh, hang with them for one of our birthdays. So like, I, I'm still close with my childhood friends, which is like a super, super big blessing. But yeah. Um, we, yeah, I mean, we just kind of went down those, you know, those those back roads of of addiction and and escapism and you know and then I had I I was in a band I mean I started a band when I was 15 and I wrote that out I mean I'm still doing music so like in between that you know and I think like just just like trying to not so much find yourself but escape yourself and that's what we were doing and it wasn't until I uh, probably about 2017 that I sought therapy like in intensive therapy Mm -hmm. um 
and went and saw a therapist and, and have still been seeing a therapist to this day. Um, you know, like, and starting to unpack the reasons why, why deal with this. And I mean, depression and bipolar disorder already exists in my blood, you right. know, and in genetics. So it doesn't help that there's all the other extremities that happen along the way, you know? So, yeah, I mean, um, now, now being in therapy, I mean, I still have rough days and especially in music because it's a lot of like, whether we like it or admit it or not, it's a lot of performance pressure, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and that really creates anxieties, which then creates these kind of triggering moments for depression. And, um, and that's just kind of like, you know, I'm still to this day working on my mental health. And, and I think that we always will be as long as we seek to take responsibility for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, a couple things that you, you mentioned in there that I think are very common themes are, um, unfortunately with the, the stigma that's been around mental health basically forever is, and you know, obviously every person's different, every family, every church, all that. But I do think sometimes in the religious field of it, um, it does kind of get swept under the rug to an extent, like you were saying, like, well, do we just need to pray about this or, you know, well, maybe you should start going to youth group too. That way you're around the church a little more or whatever. And it's like, okay, but, oh, man. but that's not, that's not what's causing this, you know, like there's something else here, but I just don't know how to, and at a young age, you, you just don't know how to put it out there. Right. You know, like trying right, to find right. the words to say, you know, at 15 years old that, I'm struggling with depression because of this situation. And a lot of times I think, you know, obviously there's some big triggers that are immediately, um, you know, identifiable, but I think kind of what you were saying too, is you don't really know what's going on until you talk to a therapist who can kind of help you guide through those thoughts and questions of what's, what's kind of the root here, you know, like on the surface, I'm sad all the time. I'm, you know, I, I hate life, blah, blah, blah. But what's causing you to think that way? You know, there's something that, that hit you at probably a young age, um, that suddenly changed your self worth or just your vision of, of the world. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do on your own. And I, I don't, I'm not a licensed professional, so I, I you know, I, I can only say this with so much uh, expertise, if you will, on like my own journey and stuff. But, you know, I don't think it's something that most people should or could completely handle on their own. I think having no. that therapist and, you know, I say friends as well, because you need you need openness, right? You need friends that you right, can talk right. to about stuff when you're not at your therapist. But at the same time, I don't think even a, a close friend group replaces a therapist. Um, yeah. I also, I mean, to, to double down on that, like I will say, Oh my gosh. Like when I moved, I moved from Los Angeles to Santa Cruz in the end, the end of 2017, because I was struggling so, so, so bad, like, yeah. uh, to the point where I was, you know, and, and I think it was a special thing with Los Angeles. Like I moved there by myself. I had one, Fortunately, I had like my day one best friend was also living down there, not even connected to music or anything, just like I, he's been my childhood friend. And 
So he was like my one true friend that I had in LA. And I made, you know, quite a few along the way, but the, the reasons why I was there was for music. And like, and so when you, when you basically become a transplant in something like that, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of loneliness involved to where like, like, Oh my God, like, I don't really know these people, but like, you know, what they're doing is cool. And for some reason they're entertaining my presence and like whatever. And you start to just, there's so many like anxieties that come from that. If you already have anxiety or social anxiety. And it put me in this place where like, you know, any, anything with like crooked teeth to where like, you know, all of the highs were fucking sick and still are to this day. But when there were lows, I felt so alone. And I felt so like I didn't have, the ability to like treat it or escape from it, if that makes any sense. And I mean, you know, after tour I did in like late 2017 and at the time my bandmates, Oh my, like bless their hearts because I was a mess. Like I, I would have, you know, there were days where like at this time I was also taking, uh, you know, this might be TMI, but fuck it. I mean, whatever (laughs) I was taking, uh, Accutane for my skin. And so, if you don't know anything about that, like you have to go to a doctor like every three, three to six weeks when you're on that, because you basically have to already see a psychiatrist because it, it fucks with your, like, yeah, you I mean, know, with whatever's going you're, on. You're your putting head. chemicals in your face. Like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was like struggling with that, but already this like really deep depressive state. And like, that's really like when those suicidal ideations cut back and I was on tour and I remember I, I just like, even to this day and, you know, I don't perform with them anymore, but I, to this day, like, I still am so grateful for this, the moral support that my bandmates gave me at that time, because I don't know that I would have, if I wasn't with them and we weren't doing what we were doing and I didn't have their encouragement and embrace, like, I don't know that I would have made it out of there. Yeah. And so, so to speak to friendship, you know, and then right after that, I was talking that, you know, they were great. And they were asking me like, well, what do you want to do? You know, like, do you think LA is the right place for you? Like, how do you feel about the band? I mean, I love music and I love Crooked Teeth and I love this outlet that I'm able to have. And I'm so, so eternally grateful for it. Um, but it drove me to be like, I think I need to go be with my friends. Like I need to be with my friend group, yeah. like my core friend group. And you know, my, my best friend Colton and his girlfriend Kalista, who is also, you know, one of my best friends now, like they really just took me in, in in such a way that like, I mean, my friend Kalista, like would not virtually would not let me be alone to the point of like, Hey, like, yo, let's go see a movie. Like, let's go get lunch. Let's go to the boardwalk. Let's go on a bike ride. Like kept me just constantly it's it's making me a little emotional right now because i i just think about that and uh and you know so there was like the fact that someone i had friends that saw my vulnerability and were able to act positively and um it just basically like engage in my life in in a way that gave me positive reinforcement was so huge, but it's also not our friend's responsibility right. to carry us through all the time. And that's really where the skill of therapy comes in is someone who can step in and be like, Hey, it's, it's my fucking job to do this. You know what right. I mean? So, 
yeah yeah you yeah, know and, i definitely am so grateful to friends equally you know yeah yeah for sure and i i think kind of the the key word that you put there is that it's it's not our friends responsibility um they're right. not obligated to do anything the dirty for work. us like you know and it, unfortunately it, and I don't know if maybe you've been through this, but I personally, I know at one point in time when I was in one of my very self-destructive, uh, you know, times in my life, uh, I, I kind of put that on, on friends cause I didn't know any better at yeah. the time, you know? And I was like, yeah. well, why don't they want to hang out? You know, like fuck them. They're, you know, they're not supporting yeah. me or whatever. And now in hindsight, I'm like, no, I was the asshole. Like, that's yeah. not their job. They don't have to do these things. But I think also the cool thing with your story right there is when you go through, you know, those those lows and that darkness, when you finally get back to either an old friend, a new friend, whoever it is, that starts pouring value back into you to help you see that that you're not a burden, that you're not an obligation to them. Uh, things right. like that, like, it's amazing how quick your mindset can start to change that, you know what, no, fuck that, I am okay, you know, or, like, I am worthy of someone's time. Um, right. But again, that all being said, you know, I it's, it's not their responsibility at all, and where the therapist, I think, comes in as a, a major factor is helping you realize that, <laughs> and build safe boundaries for yourself and your friends. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, that's, that's definitely true. Um, and I think that once I did start seeing a therapist and what was really great, I mean, I have, we have such a, um, so I feel like intimate might be a weird word to use. And I don't mean that in a romantic <laughs> right. way. We are just a very intimate friend group. There's about, I would say like, 10 of us that are just like, like, you know, we see like, even through the pandemic, like we've found ways to just like, you know, entertain each other's company and be together. And, you know, and then I have friends outside of that too, in music and in other realms that I develop relationships. But like, um, with this group of friends, like when I started seeing therapy, they made me feel you know, I didn't have to like dump that on them and they didn't have to like treat me like, you know, this like uh stray dog, right. you know, that needed, <laughs> needed a bath and like needed all shots and all this shit. They just, they, we were able to have this conversation, you know, these conversations of, of like mental health and like, Hey, how's therapy going? Like, you know, things where it wasn't stigmatized in our friend group to where we could just open up about these things, you know? And that, that is really what becomes constructive is when like you know an individual gets encouragement to seek therapy seeks therapy and then can come back to the friend group and just like you know report to base camp and be like yeah this is how it's helped me and this is you know if you know if you're not doing this and you're dealing with this like you should try it too you know and yeah and i also have to credit my sister because my sister was the first in my immediate family to get uh to go see a therapist and she you know, she was also on the phone every time I was going through these these really dark moments. And she was the one who's like, you need to see a therapist. And, she, you know, she'd have those harder conversations with me of like, Tyson, what the fuck? Like, right. <laughs> you're still on dad's insurance. Like, 
go get a fucking therapist. You know what I mean? Like literally, she, like like bullying me, fortunately, yeah. <laughs> to be like, dude, get your shit together, you know? And and so I, I have to uh, credit my, my sister equal parts to that because like, yeah, I mean, I think that's really important is just encouraging uh, each other to be proactive. And, you know, and that, there's still like, I still have my bad days and my shortcomings and like ways that I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said that to someone or, you know, blah, 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 like things like that. Like we all always will. And that's part of it too, is knowing that like, yeah, we are going to like have missteps and, and we do have to own them. And then we do have to realize that we have the opportunity to get better, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think, you know, again, depending on, on the therapist and the therapist style and things like that. But, um, one of the great things within therapy is they help kind of develop a, a tool set, if you will, that, you know, when you do have those missteps or those bad days, you can kind of break down and unpack that a little bit yourself and go, is this really worth me being upset about this deeply or what can I do to, to move on past it or how can I rectify it? And, you know, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine the other day and we talked about, um, forgiveness, you know, like obviously some, some traumas are horrendous and much worse than, than others. But we were talking about how forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's, it's really for you. And it's giving yourself permission to say like, you know, what they did to me was wrong or, you know, that situation was wrong, whatever the case may be, but I'm not going to let it physically or emotionally weigh on me anymore. I deserve better. Um, and I think, you know, again, through therapy, that's a, a big factor in how your eyes get open to the figuring out those situations where you can be like, you know what, that does fucking suck, but I'm going to be mad about it or sad about it for 20 minutes, set an alarm on my phone or whatever it is. And then I'm done. I'm, I'm moving on. I can't waste any more time in this negative space. Yeah, absolutely. I've had to teach myself. And and that is something that my therapist taught me, you know? Um, and I mean, I've definitely, man, I, I also like, I have, I'm very self-deprecating. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have moments where I'm just like, you know, I was talking to my friend yesterday who was sending me some content that we did a while back. I hadn't, uh, you know, I texted him and like, he just like didn't reply in like six to eight hours or something like that. And I didn't text him back, but in my head, I was like, Oh man, like he fucking hates me. He probably hates me. He's probably so annoyed, like blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I hear back from him and he's just like, yo dude, my bad on the delay. I'd be more than happy to send this over to you. Blah, blah, blah. And we were laughing and I was like, he's like, dude, I do the same exact shit. Like, I think people just like, they're just like, nah, like, I don't need to talk. And he's like, and that's just like, whether, you know, no matter how much therapy I go through, like, I still have those thoughts and I still have, you know, moments where like, it's, it's rough. Um, Right. But this, the tool, the, the skill set is, is true. Like that is something I've learned. And, you know, I was even, um, I was, and I still do this sometimes, but I've definitely done it considerably less is, uh, it's when I try to compare myself to others mm-hmm. or, or, or especially in music or just like, you know, in a creative sense, like 
I was talking to my friend Devin about this the other day, and she's like, man, I do this thing where I just, like, compare myself. I hope she's okay with me saying this. I'm sure she is. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, and, you know, because I was saying the same thing. I was like, yeah, I used to do that, too. And then I found myself, like, not really intent- inadvertently coaching where I was just like, dude, right. we just got to, like, we just got to, like, not do that because, like, it's way better when you just set your own goals and you have your own victorious moments and you're not – comparing it to other people but we still do that i think people do that whether they're clinically diagnosed with anxiety or depression or not like that's just kind of a human flaw yeah um but that definitely like that's something that my therapist taught me a while ago of like you got to stop comparing yourself to others like you've got to realize you're on your own journey and like there you you can't just like the more you put yourself up against someone else like the more you're just gonna let yourself down you know yeah for sure and, and- and I've I, learned that the hard way. Yeah, and and I've been through that too, you know, with I do the music journalism, I've got a day job, and then I do photography as well. And I know I've right. I've caught myself looking at, at like photographers in other areas and stuff and I'm like, I know I can I can do better than them, but but why do they have more followers or you know, why do they get right, why right. do they get these jobs or whatever? Like, fuck them. And then like, you yeah. know, a day or so later or however long it takes me, I'll be like no, you know what? Like, it's not fair. First off, it's not fair to me to to try to compare myself there because I'm not even in the same area as them. So, like, right. totally different, right. different, you know, market, if you will. But even aside from that, like, I don't, I don't know those people. Like, what if right. maybe, yeah, maybe I can shoot certain things better than them, but maybe they're better at marketing or maybe they, maybe that was just a yeah, friend group right. of theirs, you know, like you don't know. Um, yeah. but yeah, I've, I've done that, you know, on the music journalism side too, where I'm like, you know, I'll get maybe denied for an interview or, or to shoot a show and then somebody else gets approved. And I'm like, but I, you know, I've been doing it longer. I've this, that, and the other. And it's like, we don't know what go into those decisions. So why right. would we, why would we hold ourselves accountable for that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I've done stuff like that too. And I definitely do that less now where I'm like, I'm not gonna, I just, I just try to outperform myself. Right. I just try to like, all right. And that, I think I have gotten, uh, yeah, I think that has been like a, a betterment in my life where like, I just want, I just crave better for myself in my own, like, I want to outperform what I've done and already like been stoked on and yeah. considered as a victory. Like I want to go past that and not compare it to someone else's, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, for sure. Um, one other thing that, that I noticed you talking about in there, um, was kind of the inadvertently coaching or, you know, maybe subconsciously coaching. And I think that's, it's a really cool thing that happens when people uh, do go to therapy and, you know, start learning all these, these new, you know, skills and tools. Um, you, you do kind of subconsciously start using them on other people, but I think it also helps because like what you were saying with um, kind of, how do I want to word that? Uh, you know, like you're talking to somebody and maybe they're struggling with something that you don't know about. But when you start talking positively about your therapy experience and, you know, yeah, I was struggling with this, but this, this and this happened and now I'm good or whatever. Like that can start triggering your friend group or whoever to be like, maybe I should, you know, 
schedule an appointment. Like, what's the worst that can happen, right? right? So, you right. know, and I firmly believe maybe not everybody needs it on a normal, like, regular schedule, but I, I really think that everybody needs to see a therapist at least once or twice and and just, you know, kind of self-evaluate through that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the really hard... Like, I'll say this because he'll, he'll never hear it. Like, <laughs> one thing that will always break my heart is my dad. I mean, my dad is a correct... My dad works in a prison. Yeah. So, you know, and my dad, his, his dad remarried multiple times. He was a cop and was not a good... Like, I'm not trying to have that whole separate conversation, right. but he was not a good father to my dad. I mean, he was a terrible example. And, you know, and I think my dad has always wanted to be better than that. And so I think in, in ways like he was, but it's like, how, how could I even compare as a kid, you know, like, Oh, well, at least he's better than his dad was to him. Like, well, right. his, my grandpa wasn't my dad. So what the fuck, you know? So, but it's one of those things where my sister and I always talk about it. And like, we try to, you know, I remember when I told my dad a couple years ago where I was like, oh yeah, I just left therapy. And he's like, therapy for what? Like physical therapy. I was like, no, like seeing my therapist. He's like, why are you seeing a therapist? And I remember like just being like wanting to reply, like, why are you not, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, out of everything that's happened, like in our family, you know, my parents got divorced about five years ago. So like, just like a crate, like tons of trauma that, that we've, we've both faced separately and together. And so it's like one of those things where I'm just like, man, if, if my dad could see a therapist, like his, like I think he would have a heart change, you know, right. like I really think he would be able to have that moment if he could just like surrender his inner thoughts and his inner reservations about therapy or anything that maybe is like seemingly holistic. Like I think he would, oh my God, it would just be such an awesome rejuvenation to see and almost like a rebirth. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, and that will always sadden me because I, I really really do believe in that and i have friends who have gone to therapy because of you know not, and i'm not calling myself a hero right. but you're right <laughs> like the more we seek therapy like we cannot help others until we help ourselves you know and there's there's still things that i have to work on myself before i go out and actually try to coach anyone you know so so yeah i think it really is like it is important to like do our best to lead by example even in those subtle moments you know of just like conversation of like oh yeah like well i did this and it's been working great you know that's such a small gesture in theory but like in reality it's huge to, for someone else to hear that and be like oh wow i never you know like it breaks down that stigma yeah a lot more yeah and i think you know not not to bash on your dad or anything like that, but no, you're you know, not. with with him, I I think it goes into you know, age wise and whatnot. He's from the time that the stigma has always been there. Um, right, you right. know, mental health is is per some people not a real thing because you can't see it. You know, like right, you you yeah. recently had the injury with the fish hook on your hand. Like you can see that and say, oh, there's a problem. But mental yeah, health, you I don't know, get to I see know. that, you know? So a lot of people are like, right. what are you really struggling with? And I think you're right to to some extent, you know, like if, if uh, he were to take that step, 
there is potential that, you know, it's a complete game changer. Um, I think the problem is, and I'm not a big fan of the term because I I don't know, it it just seems like it's overused, but I think it goes into to some of the toxic masculinity part. Like Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's 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 so infectious. Like and especially like as that exists in cop culture. I mean yeah. that's like that's like the main pillar of cop culture. Yeah. You know, and, and at the end of the day he is a cop. Like there's no other right. way. Like I mean, sure, he's he's a cop in a prison. Like what the fuck is the difference? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a so it's one of those things where it, it is the saddest part, you know, and it is it's also crazy because one of my my step siblings is trans and lives they live with, with my dad at, at uh their home and i'm not present there anymore you know i live in santa cruz but like i always think about that relationship that exists and like i think about my my sibling and how they've had to approach mental health because of their strife in being who they are you know and then and then being in the same household as someone like my father you know like bless his heart like but but he is he has no parameter of mental health like he and doesn't really choose to so it's it and that really does come from toxic masculinity especially when you're raised by people in law enforcement who Mm -hmm. are taught to uh act first think later but maybe not really think later you know like and it's kind of it's it is this really like brute sense of existence um and and that is something that like i've had to break down in my own life. And I've had to distance, distance myself from people who are, and even get better at it myself in in being a man, like a breaking down those kind of, those toxic habits and those, those trains of thought that like, whether you like it or not, you, you've been accustomed to slipping into. I mean, other, you know, other people in my friend group, like growing up and, and I was, I was not, our generation, like millennials, like we were not as woke as these Gen Z kids. Like, right. <laughs> these Gen Z kids are, are they're seeing this conversation about mental health constantly play out on social media. And, you know, the awareness is much more in their face. And there's words you don't say now, you know, for good, dignified reason, you know, and there's there's things you don't there's there's habits you don't exercise now, you know, in being a good neighbor that like when we were teenagers, like we weren't thinking about that. We had we had no no you know second thoughts yeah. about probably just saying some really dumb shit. Like I have no problem now, or you know, it's not a degradation of my pride or dignity to say like, yeah, when I was a teenager, it was much different, and we were shitheads. I came from a a fucking cow pasture town where like we weren't you know it's part of some like metropolis that was woke and was right next to a university like no there was none of that like we were like like ag kids you know we were like basically like hick punks you know so it was like there's so much that i've had to unlearn and like relearn um in the in the probably the past like 15 years um and that's even being a kid that went to christian school where you'd think the standard was different (laughs) but not really like no you know so um yeah i mean you're totally right on toxic masculinity that's just a very small part of that yeah um i so i think uh as as dumb as it sounds like you know 
as guys when we were growing up like how far the tech the toxic masculinity reaches is as quote unquote dumb or silly as it may sound when we fell right. you know you scraped your knee whatever like you're a boy you don't cry get up rub dirt yeah, in it get, man get up, up you're pussy. fine yeah 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 exactly but it's like yeah i mean but i have emotions like i feel things yeah exactly i i think like i definitely think about that all the time um man just like even probably up until i was i don't know in my early 20s like getting called the hard f word and yeah. like hearing people like say that around and like you know and it's just crazy like it's crazy that some people just haven't unlearned that like huge swaths of our country has not unlearned that kind of behavior yeah. and and has just kind of perpetuated that and you know it's crazy like in the music scene too like we're starting to have those conversations and it's like which is fucking awesome and i think it's probably too late you know whether that's by our own like we can't really individualize that guilt right but like but it's it's about time we start having those conversations because like even when i was 15 16 17 like up until probably five years ago those conversations were not happening you know what i mean like yeah. There wasn't open conversations about consent or or uh, mental health or you know what I mean? Like um, like we didn't have we didn't there was nothing like that. And so it is really great that like I think that Gen, Gen Z is really on the trigger of forcing these conversations, um, which is is super important. Um, yeah, I mean, those are. And a lot of it really comes down to trauma and mental health. Yeah. Like, that is really a huge stemming factor of all of this. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it, it's kind of that double-edged sword, because I think you're right. I, I hate to say that it's, quote-unquote, too late, but I really feel like, unfortunately, with where we're at and everything, like, it's going to have to age itself out to some extent. Like, it's literally going to have to get to where the generation before us, our generation is basically dead. You know what I mean? Like we have to die yeah. out before the, yeah. <laughs> before it's all going to be, and it's never all going to be fixed, but you know, like, no, like you're saying the, the Gen Z and, and younger generations are really much more adamant about being more inclusive and understanding right. that people are people. And, you know, it, Unfortunately, you know, there's so many um, stereotypes and, and breakdowns and, you know, classifications and all that. And it's like, at the end of the day, are you a fucking human being? Cool. I am yeah. too. Like, let's get over everything else. It doesn't yeah, matter your exactly. skin color, your preferred pronouns, <clears throat> your sexual orientation, your religion. Like, none of that shit at the end of the day fucking matters you're a human being. I'm a human being. We both have value Absolutely. on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I really appreciate this conversation, man. I, I really do. Um, yeah, it's great. so let's touch on, um, just kind of, kind of quickly with your journey through, you know, you've been doing music and whatnot and the music industry is, for for generations is 
a pretty negative place, right? Like you go through tons of rejection, um, you know, whether it's shopping songs, trying to get booked in gigs, things like that. Obviously COVID fucked all that up for everyone, but, uh, in general, you know, you're going to hear no more often than you hear. Yes. How do you kind of combat that in your, your mental health state? Sometimes not well. I'll be I'll be completely honest. I mean, I just had a conversation with my managers yesterday. Um, you know, we were talking about something. It was just basically some bullshit performance pressure. And like I was kind of having a manic episode and I yeah. was like I was long texting to them and I was just like just pissed. And like, uh, you know, and and it was like it was something that like none of us could really control. And like, once my brain calmed down and decompressed it, I was like, dude, there's so much like cool shit happening. Like, why am I, why am I having this moment? And then, you know, when I was on the phone with them and we were having this catch up and just kind of a reflection moment, I was like, guys, like, yeah, you telling me, you know, like even I do sometimes manic things. Like when I get on my Instagram, like, I didn't need to post a fucking story about what happened to my hand and like do all like I don't need to go crazy and have like a 25 real deep story on Instagram but like I'll do these like I have to like distract myself and I like I have I have to like sometimes feel like it's not even in a prideful way it's just more of like a clarity way like I have to like search for this like validation yeah and so that's been actually something right now that I have been actively like if I'm being truthful, like struggling with, especially as a DIY artist, because like, and that's like a self-proclaimed thing. And I don't say that as like some, you know, stupid term of endearment. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. We just do do this right now by ourselves. Like, and whoever comes along to help, like, and you know, it's mutually agreed upon and we're stoked on each other. That's how I work. Like just very like relationship handshake. Um, and more, more like a hug. Like I'm more of a hugger, but we right. can't really do that right now. So. <laughs> Not right now. Um, <laughs> elbow tapper. Yeah. So, so it's, it's been kind of hard. Um, like this last week I just released a single and, uh, and like the reaction from people that are already listening to crooked teeth and have been for a while is like, has been so overwhelming. I mean, like the first day the song came out, like, I don't think I've released a song where I've seen that many people like, repost it and really like champion the song on like a kind of like a listener creator level if that makes sense like on social media and i was really that was really inspiring um but like on rejection like i mean i'll just be straight up like a huge thing right now is spotify and like you know being able to get editorial like playlists and and that was something that uh i've grown used to like i don't think up until this song everything I've done for the most part has like tapped into editorial playlists and like the, the folks in Spotify have always like thrown it in the mix and it's helped it succeed in, in the ways that it has, you know, and yeah. which I'm super grateful for this time around. Like I did things a little more independent, used a different medium to distribute it and like things like that. So it did not but I'm now like creeping up on 5,000 streams in the first week. And that's all just people. When I look at the analytics, it's all just people saving it and like sharing it and it's like adding it to their playlists. And like, and so at first I was really bummed cause I was like, Oh man, like this didn't get through to anyone at Spotify. And like, and I was kind of freaking out about it, but then like the silver lining and which is more of a silver lining is seeing, 
is seeing the listener actually engage. So now it's kind of back to that conversation about comparing yourself to others. Like, why am I comparing it? Like, I can't really compare it to everything else because the song is a little different. Like, I used a different platform. Um, look at the positives of all these people sharing it and just loving it, you know, yeah. organically. Like, so I, I think what I'm trying to do, and I'm manifesting it by saying it publicly <laughs> on a podcast, is just focus on the alternative side of the smoke and mirrors in my brain. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the reality is, like, no, dude, there's so many people who care, and, like, I'm so, so lucky to have this outlet. So, like, anything should just be taken, any extra, you know, attention or, you know, quote-unquote validation, like, should just not be taken lightly and should really be highly appreciated. And I need to focus more on that than the rede rejection. And if there is rejection, if it's critical and it's constructive criticism, I need to take that to heart more and think about how I can better myself. Because that's the only way... You know what I mean? It's yeah. one thing if someone's like, you know, you get these agents and these managers and like, or people you deal with in the music industry that will just send emails that are just like so cold and are like, no, like, or, you know, and it's like literally like less than a sentence, like, and like, but they still put a period in it almost right. to like drive home on the fact. And you're like, and then those same people will go and post about suicide prevention and, and yeah. mental health and like all of these things. And you're like, dude, wait, like, do you not understand how the way you interact with people, even virtually over email, it still carries weight. And the ways that we like talk to each other, like there's only so much context to be read over, over a text, yeah. you know? And by text, I mean like the literal, like reading something like, so everything, you know, everything matters so much more. And, and like, I'm even trying to be, uh, more like that, like, and I try to reply to everyone who comments or everyone who sends a tweet back or, you know, anyone on YouTube, like, or, you know, so I'll get merch orders where like people will write really nice things. And I, I send a letter out with every merch order I get, because I just want to, um, anytime people are positive and anytime there's room to be positive and encouraging and enlightening, like I'm just trying to, uh, focus on being better at savoring those moments. You know what I mean? More so than the smoke and mirrors of rejection and mean people who just literally are soulless. I'm convinced that just like don't, you know, and, and I get it. Like these people get millions of emails a day and, and are dealing with all these different matters. But like at the end of the day, like if I could say anything to other people in the music industry who are like just notorious dicks and, you know, just like very curt and dry, like, realize your platform and realize that you get to work a job that like so many people, like I make jack shit money. I don't really make anything off music. Like this year is like, it's kind of starting to where there's like something coming in, but it's not, right. it's not, it's just like keeping the machine going, which I'm fortunate for. But a lot of these people make a lot of money to be mean. Yeah. And like, we don't really have the place for that, especially if you're going to turn around and throw a double standard out there and talk and want to sit at the table of mental health in these conversations. Like you don't really get to be an asshole when you get to work a job that you dream about, you know what I mean? And a lot of people do. So yeah. if I could say that it's just about like, and, and that's even for me, there's moments where I fall short and I need to be kinder and more empathetic or sympathetic. And like, um, 
that is something I would like to throw out into the ether of like, realize that we're lucky to do what we do. And it doesn't hurt to just take an extra sentence or two or an exclamation point or just like a kind verb or adjective and throw it in your email or throw it in your text reply or throw it in your phone call. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's just what I want to focus on in rejection. Uh, not seeing not seeing those mean rejection moments as anything and just focusing on the positive and when people are critically responsive to something in a kind way being more um more willing to heed to that i guess is what i would say yeah no and i i totally agree especially on the um the context and tone of like email and and true text format uh messages because like like what you said like i've gotten emails you know requesting where hey i'd like to shoot this show or whatever and i'll get back no or you know you weren't approved and it's like okay like i get it like you said you probably get thousands of emails in a week or whatever but how hard would it have been like hey sorry i can't get you approved at this time hit me up on the next run you know what I mean? Like just little things like right. that exactly. changes that exactly. from a no, you're not good enough or whatever that may manifest in, in someone's mind to, you know, look, the, the list is tight right now. I don't have a spot this time. Hit me up next time. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Even if next right. time it's a no, you're at least, you know, putting it out there that I'm not a complete asshole. I just don't have room for it or whatever. Um, and I think that's huge. Like you said, because a lot of those same people are the ones that are turning around during this suicide prevention month, uh, and saying like, Hey, you know, this is what we need to do on mental health or during, um, actual mental health awareness month. Like this is, you know, this is a big focus for our company. And it's like, but is it, do you, yeah. Go back through your emails. Is it really what you're doing? Do that in action. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, totally agree with you on that. Um, that's basically everything I've got for you on this one, man. I super appreciate it. We're definitely going to be talking again. Thanks for for asking me to come on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm going to do for the last, however long it takes you a couple minutes or, or whatever it takes you, uh, plug everything you want to plug. Um, I'll make sure I link all your socials and stuff like that too, but also just put out there whatever you need to put out there to, to fans or, or listeners or whatever around, you know, we've talked obviously in depth about mental health and suicide prevention, but just put it all out there, man. Yeah. So I have a start off with the plugs. I got a new single that just came out literally a week ago today. It's called gone forever. It's on all the, uh, all the, streaming formats um so if anyone listening wants to check that out i would greatly appreciate it um as far as just you know throwing a positive or encouraging message out there i would guess i would just honestly say like check in on your friends check in on yourself um find those moments where you can love yourself and and cherish them and um be more empathetic, be as empathetic as you can to someone else in their position. Uh, try to be more communicative with each other. Um, these are things that I'm constantly working on, um, and could always use, um, improvement on, but, um, I think it's good for all of us to act accordingly and and do that, especially in this day and age and, and 
all of the crazy, weird adversities that we're all starting to face, you know, whether we, we wanted to or not, right. you know? So yeah, I, I would say really, really the underlying theme would just be empathy. Just exert more empathy. Yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll let you get to your, your friend's birthday party and uh, hope you enjoyed yeah. that. And then, um, like I said, we'll definitely talk again. I'll get you back on the podcast. We'll do like a um, kind of what I was telling you in the, the Instagram message, kind of the the who is crooked teeth type of um, cool interview. That way, maybe some of my listeners or, you know, as it gets shared out or whatever, people can discover you and learn a little more about you and, and hopefully yeah. just kind of grow organically like what we were talking about. Oh, I would love that, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Enjoy your time. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. Likewise, dude. Take it easy. Thanks. Bye. And that was my conversation with Tyson of Crooked Teeth. Um, I guess I should say AKA Crooked Teeth uh, because it is primarily him. But anyway, really appreciate him doing that conversation with us and being so open and honest about um, mental health, the struggles that come with it, um, you know, engaging in therapy, uh, the impact that it has on friends around you and things like that. Like, I, I really feel like his conversation was so sincere and genuine and relatable. You know, I think that that's something that we need to have more of is people not afraid to tell their story as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes and not saying that you should always offload on on everyone uh you know obviously the the other person needs to be willing to hear what you have to say or what you're going through but um you know, the, the best way to get rid of the stigma is for us to continue to be open, honest and clear about our struggles and and the mental health state that we're in or, you know, the the things that we've done to to better that. Um, in Tyson's case, you know, talking about therapy was was really cool and um, talking about getting back to his core friend group or, you know, helping establish that core friend group, if you will. Um, I mean, he even said he, he was starting to get a little emotional talking about some of that because it's honest and it's true. And when you finally start to receive the appreciation and self-valuation from your friends um, to, to help you build your self-value and, and realize your worth, um, not saying that you need to put stock in what everybody's opinion of you is at all, because that's not the case. But, you know, it. as humans, um, we crave attention to some degree, and we, we crave feeling valued and feeling like our stories are worth something and that our, you know our life is worth something. Um, and I think that's, that's exactly what Tyson was, you know, portraying there conveying, um, is that your core friend group, it may not always be lifelong friends. It may not be the people you grew up with. 
It may be, you know, somebody you met six weeks ago. Um, you never know. But the the key is when you find that group of friends, um, family, whoever it is that helps you realize your sense of self, your sense of self-worth, uh, those are the people that you need to, to really be around um, and, and let them know that you appreciate that. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, we are not mental health professionals. Um, we're just real life people that have experienced things and are sharing our stories. Uh, Tyson, huge thank you to him. Um, I really appreciate, like I said, how honest and, and open he was about everything. Really looking forward to talking to him again. Um, in our shop, youmakethescene.com slash shop, we did reactivate all of the mental health awareness um, merchandise. So if you jump over there, pick up a shirt, we've got a tote bag, um, different types of shirts like t-shirts, tank tops. I think there's a sweatshirt still. Um, but yeah, there's different types of of mental health awareness merchandise all the purchases from that the proceeds will be going towards mental health organizations such as heart support to write love on our arms uh crisis text line a number of others you know we're going to try to to spread the love some and and donate to a, a few different organizations for those sales um and also you know if if you could, uh, I personally am very close to heart support specifically, um, and to write love on our arms. Um, but I do know for a fact that heart support has partnered with BetterHelp, uh, which is a online therapy option for people. Um, it includes being able to text and video chat with psychiatrists and therapists and things like that. Um, if you go to betterhelp.com slash heart support, you can start a seven day free trial. You do still put in your credit card information and, you know, you can cancel anytime and receive that seven days worth of a trial. Uh, but they'll match you with a licensed therapist that you can talk to during that seven-day trial, anything you do beyond that, um, if you maintain your subscription, a portion of that goes to heart support to help others reach mental help, mental health help, um, as well as with BetterHelp, you can uh, request potential financing or better rates depending on your financial status you know they don't want mental health to be out of reach for people so highly recommend you check that out i am not sponsored by either of them i do not get any credit or kickbacks or anything like that for for that plug um it's just something that i really believe in and and hope that you guys if you need that that assistance or that you think that that may be a avenue that you want to pursue I just want you to know that that's there. 
So that's everything I've got for this episode, guys. Um, I really appreciate all the support, uh, all the love that you guys have given. Um, you know, I've said it a few times now that September is Suicide Prevention Month, um, but that doesn't mean that we stop within the dates of September. Uh, it's a constant battle. It's one that we, as a society, need to get on the same page with and all of us need to do better to encourage people to be honest and open about their mental health and seek the help that they need, whether it's medication or uh, therapy or whatever it may be. Um, but suicide is not the answer. So, again, I appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Make sure you like and share the podcast. Um same with our Facebook and our Instagram, like, share, follow on there. Um, make sure you're following Crooked Teeth on Instagram specifically. Uh, I'll link all of his socials, but Instagram is where he and I um, were able to connect, and he's super active on there, so definitely want you guys to check him out. As always, guys, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.